Welcome, and thank you for joining the Successful While Parenting podcast. Till we figure out cloning, we'll be investigating the tips, tricks, and routines that help other parents still achieve their personal goals. Friendly reminder, this show is intended for people with kids, not for kids. This was made in a facility that allows cussing, so there may be traces of it. Hey, parental units. Sean Mosley here. Uh, so today I had the pleasure of interviewing Nick Loper of Side Hustle Nation. Uh, he is best known as Chief Side Hustler, and he is just a powerhouse in thinking of ways to expand your income using your time outside and your personal time. But of course, what is personal time when you're a parent and you don't have these things possible? Uh, so we kind of dive into that of, you know, what is it like to do a side hustle, having kids? What has his experience been like being over side gigs while still needing to be around all the time and taking care of kids and the a schedule? Those are what? So we touch on those um, and pretty much a little bit into his backstory as well. So thanks and hope you enjoyed the episode. All righty. So the record button has been pressed. Um, and first, thanks, Nick, for ha- uh, for having me on the show. Um, thanks, Nick, for joining me on the show. Um, and like I was mentioning a second ago, like the reason I wanted to connect and to talk is like just the level of inspiration and the fact of building side hustles, finding the time to do things that just you're passionate about or you want to just build extra income. And I want to kind of dive into that of how you've done it and how you've seen it done for people that are parents. And so just for bringing your wealth of knowledge on, like, thank you. You bet. Thanks for, uh, thanks for having me. I love to talk about this stuff. So excited (laughs) to dive into it. Nice. And so uh, I see you were originally in Washington when you were at UW. That's right. And then now you're currently in the Bay, which makes me think of Richard Sherman. <laughs> making, making the move south a little bit. Yeah, we've, uh, we did it before. It was cool. Yeah, we've been here for uh, 13 <laughs> years or so. Nice. Uh, where specifically in the, the Bay are you? So we're in Livermore, which would be considered an uh, East Bay suburb. So we're a half hour from Oakland, maybe 45 minutes from San Francisco. Yeah, I got. I have a, a great friend. His uh, family lives out in Livermore, and like we're super close with them. Um, not sure if you've heard of it. Terry's Tree Service. Um, that actually they they advertise heavily in uh, one of the like local uh, circulars. So yes, I actually have heard of <laughs> Terry's Tree so, Service. Okay, so yes, that is um, my friend's family. Uh, Super amazing people. Yes, Livermore is definitely. Well, that's awesome, um, man. Well, let me know yeah. when you uh, when you pass through town. All right, I got you. Yeah, Livermore. Who would have thought? <laughs> we call it the poor man's Napa. It's like it's like wine country, <laughs> but like 
not as pretentious, if that makes sense. Because they, they, like, the big thing is the rodeo and the, uh, and there's a big national lab, like research lab, defense lab here. And so that's what the like emblem of the city is. It's cowboys, nukes, and wine. <laughs> Cowboys, nukes, and wine. Uh, that'll sell. Um, actually, my and of course, it's at the the lab. My his grandfather used to work at the the lab, so it's it's definitely. Yep, we were out in the bay. We were living in San Jose from 2015 to 2019. Oh, okay. Um, I would say we got there. After it was cool. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm sure you being out there like 10 plus years, you had some of the like, you got that first cool Bay Area vibe-ish versus, I I don't know, now I just like think congestion, overpriced property and homelessness. Just like. Especially in the city for sure. Oh, yeah. And I mean, I I love the Bay. I want to make sure that it's not coming across. I love the experience I had. I love the people I met. Um, but I also recognize that being one of the like techies out there, I was adding to the problem as much as <laughs> anyone else. So, what uh, what prompted the move back or moved back to uh, to the south? Family, because when we moved to Cali, we had l- uh, little to no family. We were literally with my friend's family for like all support for the first week. Um, before getting settled settled in um and then we were debating we were like because my wife was doing residency and so we were like all right well we didn't get into any programs in florida which would have been our number one pick and then we're like all right well nothing in georgia is like screaming my wife's name so she's not interested in any of those so let's go somewhere where we want to. So we ended up in Cali, did that. And then that, uh, we were like, all right, well, we can do it. And it'll be a four-year experiment. We can see what works for us, what doesn't. We can leave. We could stay. Like, we'll figure it out over the time. And so we did the experiment, found out it wasn't for us. It was like, all right, loved it, loved the experience, loved the people, but we got to go back. And so now we're back. Uh in the South, my wife's family is predominantly, if not all, in Georgia. Um, okay. Most of my family is spread out in the Southeast, I would say that. Yeah. I think that's really smart to position it as an experiment, though. Like, hey, you know, what if it sucks? If it sucks, it's <laughs> our life at the most. Like, hey, we can always cut it short, go back earlier. It doesn't have to be this uh, life-threatening, lifelong, forever decision. Yeah, exactly. And plus our daughter was just born at the time, so we didn't have to worry about uprooting from school and stuff. So it wasn't it wasn't too bad of a move or anything. Yeah. Yeah. And so how how old are your little ones? They are uh 2 and 4. 2 and 4. Ah. So how how do you uh How long have you been doing the the side hustle business? So I started the Side Hustle Show and the SideHustleNation.com blog in spring of 2013. So actually coming up on seven years. So thankfully, the business predates the kids um, <laughs> because the time is, is a lot more limited now. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Especially with two. 
I, I always take my hats off to anybody with more than one kid. One is like, oh yeah, uh, this is tough. I can't think of doing it with more than two. But then again, um, we're also pregnant and expecting our second. So, hey, I guess I'll <laughs> find out first hand soon enough. <laughs> I will be in the, the batch. So when you first started Side Hustle Nation, what what kind of did you have in mind for it? How did you start it? So it started as a side project to the business that I was running at the time, which was a comparison shopping site for footwear. That was like my original side hustle. That was the thing that let me quit my corporate job. And um, so I ordered up the microphone. I'd been writing a personal blog for years and nobody ever read. Transferred that over <laughs> to this new domain. And I was like, look, I'm going to focus on this lower risk brand of entrepreneurship. It was something that I was really excited about. It was something that like after doing kind of some, you know, soul searching moment of like, you know, what do you want to be known for when people Google you kind of a thing? What, <laughs> you know, what do you get excited about? It's like yeah. this stuff, like analyzing different business models and, you know, trying to reverse engineer and break down, like, where does the money come from? That stuff is fascinating to me. Still is fascinating to me. And wow. that's what, uh, that's what started the show. Um, still was focused on running the shoe business uh, as like my main source of income because, you know, as you know, a new blog and podcast isn't going to make any money. So it's like, I can't devote a ton of time to this, but it's something that I, you know, I want to put out into the world. And within a year and a half, the shoe business was kind of on the decline. But by that time, thankfully, the, the show had a little bit of traction. The blog had a little bit of traction and kind of transitioned that to be my main focus. And it has mm -hmm. been ever since. Wow. And so since you started the business before you had kids, like what, what do you feel has changed about how you like manage it? So there's been a lot of evolutions to, you know, personal productivity over the time. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I started out with a, like a treadmill desk and I was like, okay, I can walk while I can work. <laughs> like this is fantastic. And, um, you know, working with different virtual assistants and still have a team of kind of remote contractors or specialist contractors and stuff. Um, mm -hmm. So there's definitely that element of it too. It's like, do I need to be the one specifically doing this task or this job every week? Yeah, maybe, maybe not. So taking inventory of what actually needs to happen. The other thing, so when I started the site, like one of the like founding uh, theories, at least in my mind was like, okay, I will be the guinea pig. I'll go out and test this stuff, um, all these different side hustle ideas, and I'll report back on what works and what doesn't and use that for content and did that for the first couple of years. Like, oh, I'll sell stuff on Fiverr. I'll write about my <laughs> self-publishing stuff. I will uh, sell stuff on eBay. I'll you know do some freelancing, all this random stuff. And it was a ton of fun. That has kind of given way in the last couple of years to playing more of a journalist role. Like I will find other people who took action on this particular idea, report back their results and, you know, kind of give them an audience to speak to. And that's, that's worked a little bit better than me trying to go out and <laughs> do everything. I, the, the well runs pretty deep. Like I had no idea there were this many <laughs> different side hustle ideas when I started, you know, as you start to go down the rabbit hole, you're like, Oh man, you can do this and this and this. And, and that's been a ton of fun. Yeah, nice. And I, I remember seeing uh, one of your lists. What was it? Was it 100 
side hustle ideas or is there is, am i even like cutting it short and it was closer to 500 like what? Uh, no i don't have 500 i probably <laughs> i mean there probably are over the course of the, the kind of the flagship article is at sidehustlenation.com slash ideas and that's 99 side hustles you can start today even though the if you scroll all the way to the bottom there's like 115 160 like i just i wanted to keep 99 for whatever reason i thought that looked better in the search results i'm i'm pretty sure it does and with kind of with the transition that you've made recently um, from running your own business and um, then having kids and having to transition, what would you kind of like, how would you say success, the definition of success changed for you in that transitional period? Well, I've said that, it has made me less productive, but maybe more effective in that you have to mm. kind of recognize now that you have limited time, you you have to be more uh, intentional with where you spend it, right? So it's like, okay, what is really driving results? And there are people who are, you know, super dedicated to the 80-20 rule and, you know, what's what's my ROI on this? What's my effective hourly mm-hmm. rates? Like, why am I doing this? And they'd be like, well, even the 80-20 has an 80-20. It's really like the four... <laughs> 64. I don't even know what the, you know, how the next like whatever uh, breaks down. That's definitely a part of it. Um, and so the other thing, I forgot where I was going with this. Um, how effective you are and how was, effective children have made you. Yeah. So it's kind of like this dividing line between productive and effective. Like, okay, how can I make the most uh, with the hours that I have? Um, the other big transition, I would say, uh, as far as like defining success is still like, I'll still define success as you know, having freedom over your own calendar. And that was a big driving force for me when I was in the corporate world. Like it was, it just felt embarrassing, like to have to ask my boss for vacation for time off. And I was like, yep. I, he, he never said no, but it was just like, it felt weird, like as a grown up to have to ask somebody like, how are you going to spend your time? And so that was a big motivating factor. And there's a spectrum, right? So you you may feel like, oh, you know, if I don't have full control over my full 24 hours a day, like I'm not there yet. But I don't think anybody necessarily ever gets there. And I don't know what that would even look like. So there's a a sliding spectrum. And what you can do if you if you find yourself on the other side where it's like, okay, I got 24 hours in a day. uh, I got to work for at least eight hours. I got to commute. I got to sleep. Hopefully uh, I got (laughs) to eat, take care of myself and take care of the kids. Like there might not be a huge sliver of time left, but I guarantee if you prioritize it, it's there, right? It might be 15 Mm -hmm. minutes here. It might be half an hour here. Carve out that time and claim it for yourself and say, look, I'm working my way towards this 24 hours of being in control of my own calendar. And I'm recognizing that if I spend those 15 minutes, 30 minutes a day, like over time, I can start to, you know, balloon out that segment of the calendar. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, it makes perfect sense. It's kind of like the, um, I don't even know if it's a rule, but I'm going to say that I've heard it as called a rule. It's the 1% rule to where it's like, you just focus on doing 1% every day, which at first it seems like 1% that's so minuscule and I shouldn't pay attention to it. Yeah. But if you're consistent and you're building up over time, um, after a year plus of doing it consistently, you will see a noticeable impact. Yeah. 
I really like that. Um, a guest of mine, Bjork Ostrom, called it the 1% infinity rule. And it's the same thing as the compound effect and the slight edge where it's like, you know, every day, probably unnoticeable. But as you start to stack those up and you're consistent with it, then you start to really see this exponential compound uh, effect that that's, that's really awesome. The other thing that I was going to add there was when you're looking for these kind of like call them freedom time blocks, you're going to have more, um, most people are going to have more availability or more flexibility um, at the bookends of your day. Like first thing in the morning, last thing before bed, especially with the kids around. Like if you can <laughs> uh, convince yourself to get up before them, like when I can beat them out of bed and it's a little bit of a, you know, game of, you know, whack-a-mole. Like, no, 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 it's not, it's not bedtime yet. Or it's not time to get up yet. Um, when I can do that, like the day just gets off to a much, much better start. Yep. So as you're mentioning, like getting up in the mornings, one of the, my favorite things has been the Miracle Morning by Hal Elrod. Are you familiar with that? I haven't read it, but somewhat familiar with the idea. Okay. Yeah. So it's definitely been one thing that's been like super valuable for me. Um, one, the framework that it provides, but two, uh, there was a period where I was waking up consistently like four to five and just like getting it in for myself before yeah. anybody woke up, getting myself situated. Um, What's your routine look like today? <laughs> <laughs> um, today I'm trying to get back in that rhythm. Um, now I am waking up about 6.30, which is still like late later than I would like. Um, but in the morning I get up and do some 30 minutes of working out, um, before 30 minutes or so, depending yeah. on how much time I have to yeah, work. To me, out. That's because if I work... habit, you know, for other people, it's like meditation or journaling. It's like, if I can get some sort of like, you know, high intensity, workout thing in like I will feel better for the rest of the day yeah that's exactly what I, I I need like if if I have the time and I wake up at my ideal time of like five and I have time to do like the miracle morning and then like 30 minutes working out or going for a run then cool yeah well he yeah. had to do like six different things and it's like I don't know if I can work out and like empty the dishwasher like I'm a happy man <laughs> Hey, I mean, you have a system. Stick with it. <laughs> Stick with it. Uh, so one thing I kind of want to shift gears on is as you are chief side hustle, I would like to know, like, how often do you work and, and, and hear from parents that are doing side hustles? Oh, all the time. I should audit the uh, guest Rolodex from the Side Hustle <laughs> show and see how many of them are parents. And probably fewer when I started because that was like, hey, I'm going to talk to you know, young professionals like me. And then as this audience, I don't know if the audience has aged, but I've certainly aged over <laughs> the six or seven years of doing it. Um, there are lots and lots of parent examples, and it's always inspiring to hear what they've what they've been able to accomplish. What's probably, and I mean, not to pick and choose and say one guest is better than the other, but what, what's probably been one of like the most powerful, like 
parent side hustle stories that you you've been able to listen in on? All right, I'm going to scroll through the archives now. So we talked to a couple moms who uh, sell wholesale on Amazon, which was an interesting uh, business model that I never really heard of. Lots of, of course, lots of dads, but like nobody gives any credit to dad. You're like, whatever, you know, um, yeah. <laughs> kind of mom examples. Well, one of the inspiring ones was uh, a woman who was determined on her maternity leave not to have to go back to this job. She's like, I've got, wow. I've got like two months or however long is left. Mm-hmm. I got to figure out a way to basically replace my income. And she ended up doing that by setting herself up as a virtual assistant. And so she was going to kind of local meetup events and introducing herself. I'm a virtual assistant. Well, what is that? Oh, that means I can handle administrative tasks remotely. Oh, really? Well, we could use help with this, this, and this. Oh, sure. I can help with that. And it was just like, you know, she was able to get that done and never had to go back to uh, to the office. So I was like, I really like that example. Other people, wow. um, another Amazon example was the woman uh, just kind of like buy low, sell high, right? Like retail arbitrage, um, mm-hmm. scanning products at your local stores and seeing what they're selling for on Amazon. After we hung up a recording, she was like, Hey, I'm, I'm actually taking my son out to go do this uh, afternoon. And it was his idea. He says, mommy, can we go pick up profit today? I was like, Oh my gosh, I love this. Like training the next generation. <laughs> that is so funny. I've, I've heard something similar. Um, one of the guys at my co-working space, he was saying he one of the cool things, when his kids turn 12, they have to start a business. Um, I, th- it's, I think they have options. It's, um, I think they can either go work somewhere, which I think it's either 12 or 14. Some, some, okay. I can't remember the number. But it was it's still a young age. So like getting a job is less likely anyways. But he taught them about like, look, after the summer passes, go to Walmart pick up all the pool noodles that are going to be, or like other pool clearance items that are going to be on clearance because summer's done. Yeah. Buy it, send it to a warehouse. And then once it comes back in season, which can't recall a year when (laughs) pool noodles were not. Yeah. it, It inevitably comes around again. So buy it, sell it back. And then, um, make your profit. And I was like, wow, I would have never thought of that. Um, but yeah, it's something he taught his kids and now they're doing. And in addition to just like the seasonal summer stuff, looking into other avenues and like getting those gears turning in his kids, I was like, dude, that's super amazing. Yeah. We're trying to practice. Um, I don't know. We're trying to figure out what we're doing in this season of having the kids home from <laughs> daycare because oh, everything is, yeah. is shut down. It's like, okay, you, you work one day, I'll work one day. Uh, you got to, you got to jump on a call. Okay. You know, we'll do some activity. <laughs> it's, um, it's a team sport. And yep. it, it kind of took us on, especially as it relates to finances. And it took us a while, my wife and I, to realize that where we had separate accounts for everything, separate checking and savings and investment accounts. And it's like, over the years, we've slowly combined everything and mm-hmm. said, and we still have a few separate accounts, but for the most part, everything is combined. We're not worried about like, oh, what, which credit card did you use exactly. for those groceries? Exactly. It's like, yeah. look, it's a team sport. We're all in this together. Like here's, you know, kind of the numbers that we're shooting for or the savings rate that we're shooting for. And that's 
it's so much easier in that way rather than like just trying to like nickel and dime. Well, you made more than me. So you, your rent should be like, <laughs> I, I don't know. This is what we were. These are conversations we actually had like early on. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, we were the same. Um, but I think it was something that to where like, now we'll talk about money and financial stuff and we're, and, and it's kind of like, Oh yeah. Well, how much is coming out of my check? How much? Is, and it's just like, it's coming out the same pot. Like, why are we splitting hairs here? Yeah. Like it's, it only gets weird around Christmas time, where it's like, did you, you know, I bought half that Christmas present. <laughs> <laughs> you just treated yourself. That's yeah, all. Just, you just, just treated yeah. yourself. Just don't think about it. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so, jumping back to the parents and side hustles, um, from your expertise and knowledge of talking with many parents that have done side hustles, what do you think is probably the best advice for any parent that's looking to like do their own side gig and, and get that running? Sure. So to go back to your comment about the experiment of moving to California, I think that was really mm -hmm. powerful because I think you can approach a side hustle the same way. Like I'm going to try this experiment in XYZ, you know, whatever business model that you choose, the big three for me are selling products, selling a service, like freelancing consulting, and then like building an audience-based business that ultimately has advertising or affiliate links or, or has the flexibility to sell products and services to that audience too. So those would be the big three, but regardless of what you choose to think of it as an experiment, like, okay, here's my hypothesis. Here's what I want to test out. I'm going to give it my best shot, you know, car in the, in the time that I have, I'm going to give it my best shot. I'm going to evaluate the results like a scientist and say, okay, I need to adjust course, or I'm going to try something completely different. Turns out I hated working on that. Totally <laughs> fine. Just the, there's a, um, it's like entrepreneurial physics, right? Like an object in motion stays in motion and just getting that initial, doesn't even have to be traction, but just like taking those first actions are really, really powerful to, to kind of keep that momentum going, if that makes sense. I gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to ask, I was like, entrepreneurial physics? Did I miss a subject in college? <laughs> <laughs> um, and so as you've done different side projects and stuff like that on your own, what's probably been like one of the biggest mistakes you would say that you've made and that you've like learned from? Biggest mistakes, man. One of the uh, more challenging ones was related to the shoe business. So this mm -hmm. was my bread and butter for a lot of years. I ran it for almost 10 years in various forms. So I made lots of mistakes uh, as it comes to this business. But a couple that stand out was um, not reinvesting into the business. And by that, I mean, uh, to diversify traffic streams. So the business was heavily reliant on uh, one traffic source, uh, paid ads through Google and Microsoft and Yahoo. And as those costs kind of crept up over the years, I was just like, my margins were just getting squeezed and it was mm. unable to really uh, get out of that. Um, whereas a smarter business person would have said like, Hey, this is great. This is a great traffic channel right now. You're making money, but 
it would be wise probably to diversify <laughs> in some SEO, some social media, like something else, or, you know, to diversify, you know, into other businesses entirely, which is actually ended up what did end up what I ended up doing. Um, so that was one mistake. The other mistake was kind of like not scaling while the getting was good. So I like, Hey, mm. lifestyle business, I could do this forever. Like I didn't, <laughs> I didn't really see that where I was playing had kind of a finite lifespan. Mm-hmm. And um, a, again, a smarter business person would have said like, Hey, this is fantastic right now. Uh, if you're spending this much and you're making this much on the other side, like what if you hired somebody to, you know, get this production done faster? Like what, you know, there were opportunities to scale that I didn't pursue as quickly because I thought, oh, who cares? I got time. You know, like this is my <laughs> this is my thing. I'll be doing this until I'm old and gray. <laughs> gotcha. No, thanks for sharing that. That's definitely very valuable and insightful. I, I always love hearing from others on like how they learn from their mistakes and then also like taking that opportunity to reflect on even my own. Um, I don't think I've really done any side businesses, but um, my biggest, if I, I don't know, I'd have to reflect on my biggest mistakes, probably biggest mistakes, probably, probably trying to do too much. Um, I've not done I've done a lot of like different side projects and had different things, but I start, but don't finish. And so seeing it to the end. And I think what I've learned over the years is my interest, it goes into too many places and I don't hold focus. Um, So that's definitely been like one of the big things that I've learned about myself lately. Yeah. And for a lot of the stuff, it's hard to know when or where the end is. It's like, well, the chart is going up a little bit up and to the right. Is that <laughs> enough? Does that justify, you know, keeping going and keeping, continuing to invest time and energy and money into it? It's really, it's really hard to know when to pull the plug. Yeah, definitely. But speaking about pulling the plug, um, I know that time is super of the essence these days as we're all often home and our kids are home. So I want to, Respect your time. Um, Nick, this has been a great opportunity. Um, before we go, where can listeners that are interested in finding out more about you and Side Hustle Nation, where is the best place that listeners can go? Sure. So we mentioned the uh, SideHustleNation.com slash ideas post. That's a fantastic place to start. Um, 99 advertised Side Hustle Ideas. A little bit more if you scroll all the way to the bottom. My hope is that you got eight or 10 different browser tabs open by the time you make it to the bottom. Like, Oh, that sounds good. Oh, I want to learn more about that. <laughs> that's like, that's the mark of a good, of a good scroll through on that page for me. Um, no opt-in required. Um, just uh, would love to have you check it out. And of course, uh, tune into the side hustle show with 370 something uh, back episodes and new side hustle ideas every week. Nice. All right. Well, Nick, this has been an absolute pleasure and joy. And um, I mean, I, I think I'm recognizing like as I'm keeping the show short, maybe I can do some uh, to do a repeat appearance. I'd be happy to join you. All right. Thanks, Nick. This has been a, a joy, man. Take care. Thanks. Hey, everyone. 
Hope you enjoyed this episode of Successful While Parenting. Till we figure out cloning, we'll be investigating the tips, tricks, and routines that help other parents still achieve their personal goals. This podcast is available in iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Music. Uh, it's also available on SoundCloud if you'd like. If you could, pretty, pretty please, with sugar on top, please leave a review. Uh, I definitely hope that this podcast is worthy of five stars. But if not, then let me know what I can do to take it to the next level. Your constructive feedback is requested and definitely highly valued. I want to be able to provide a good source of value for you. I promise. So please um, leave us a review and check us out on our Facebook page. Um, You can easily search for us, uh, Successful While Parenting, or you can go directly to our URL, which is facebook.com slash SWP pod. Once on the Facebook page, drop me a line. I love having conversations with listeners and being able to know what's working well, what's not. So thanks. See you soon. This track is called At Least Looks Green by Swirl. You can find it on his SoundCloud, which is linked on the Facebook page.